Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals to another live broadcast of yours, True. I want to say welcome you all out to another live broadcast. I'm excited about doing live Q&As. It gives me an opportunity to really um, help those who are um, needing advice about certain things. So if you're watching this live, do me a big favor. Share this broadcast out to as many people as possible. If you're watching this later or listening later, whether on YouTube, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, um, Spotify, uh, feel free to share this broadcast. If you feel like uh, what I've done previously is a benefit, feel free to get the word out. Also, um, if you're watching this is your first time, my name is Josh Rezzi, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and also to help you grow spiritually for God's optimal use. If you feel like this channel is something that will aid you in your spiritual walk or just in life, period, Feel free to subscribe, hit the bell, and all that good stuff so you can get post notifications and be ready when the live broadcast notification comes to email because no man, no woman knows that when Coach Josh is going live on YouTube. So let's go right to the chat box, see who's all here so we can get to the, to the questions. Um, if you want to be a part, like I said, subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff so that you can be a part of the chat and get your questions in. Finally Free, what's going on, Aries? How you doing? Michelle Miller, what's going on? Finally Free, what's going on? Uh, Dekayla, hi, Taylor Perry, what's up? Greetings, Cassandra Adams. Hello, family, be blessed. Hope you blessed as well. I know why, well, I know you blessed as well. Um, uh, Anique Charles, hey, coach, Miami in the building. What's up, Miami? Crystal uh, Baines, hey there, Mr. Ezzy. You must go to my school because you call me Mr. Ezzy. Good to see you, good to see you, good to see you. Divine 15, hey, what's going on? Michelle Miller says, what study materials do you use? Good question. Um, the Bible of choice that I that I uh, um, engage in and study and exegete from and is the ESV study Bible. It's actually a study Bible called the ESV study Bible. Um, it's in my bedroom, so it's not here with me right now. But um, it's a study Bible that I use. And I also, I just really get in the word of God. That's what I do, Michelle. I study the word of God. Um, openbible.info is where I get my scriptures based upon topics. Uh, gotquestions.org is another website that I lean on <clears throat> to better understand um, certain theological things. Um, apologetics is what I'm in right now. So I listen to people like Tim Keller and uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias. And um, that's another guy that I'm listening to now, but I forgot his name. He's a big apologetics person. So that's just where I'm at in, in regards to my study. Um, but the ESV study Bible is, is a good study Bible. Um, and a proverb a day keeps the devil away. I'm just joking. Proverb a day, uh, a gospel a month <clears throat> is my repertoire in studying because I need to know wisdom truths for everyday use. And I need to see how God, uh, operated throughout life when he was in bodily form and, and just being a fresh of Jesus every day, as I read through the gospels benefit. Also, you can go to YouTube right now. That's what I also do as well. Um, they have the dramatized version of the Bible on YouTube. So what you do is you can type in Matthew dramatized, Mark dramatized, Luke dramatized, James dramatized, Genesis dramatized. And there's a there's a dramatized version of the Bible in the King James Version. So there it's the King James Version, but you'll have characters. You hear animals in the background. You hear chariots. So it's a, it's a good way. What I do is I listen to that on the way to work. So I'm in my word 30 minutes because it takes my 30, 35 minutes to get to work. <clears throat> so I'm listening to the Bible on my way. Sometimes on my way home from work, I listen to the Bible while I'm at work. I listen to the Bible and it is a way for me to kind of uh, engage the word a little bit more. And then I also do my reading. So that's, those are the type of materials and tools that I use in my study. Um, uh, but, but, um, I don't really listen to preachers much, um, possibly number, number one, cause I'm a preacher too. I like to make sure that my messages are authentically mine, that I'm not really listening for, you know, I don't want to be influenced. I just want to be influenced by the spirit of God and create my unique display uh, of the word of God, the way God wants me to speak it.
Yeah, Open Bible is one of my one of my best favorite resources, especially when it comes to sermon development and just finding scriptures based upon topic. I love it. Let's get some more questions. What sort of okay? Uh, Kingdom blessings code. God, Kingdom blessing you too. Every says, how many times should someone be forgiven to allow them back in your life? Um, it depends if they're worthy to be in your life. Um, they were a part of your life, but it doesn't mean they should be um, in your life. And so it all depends. Um, forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person. It's for you. So forgiveness gives you an opportunity to go forward. So the Bible says forgive them 70 times seven. So and and, and people say, well, uh, I don't know if I'll be in front of that person 70 times seven times a day. But you'll be possibly could be close to that figure in your mind throughout weeks. You see what I'm saying? So it's important for you to forgive so that if that person does come across your path, then you will have the right type of heart, the right type of temperament towards them. But in regards to allow them back in your life, it all depends on what the spirit of God says in your life. If the spirit of God says that individual is toxic still or the individual um, did uh, <clears throat> was was immature at that age, the Holy Spirit will let you know if you should let that person in your life. But if it's something deep, abusive, um, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that people do. Um, they may be around your life, but they can never be a part of your life because of how significant the situation was. And that's the consequences of choices. But if it's someone that is truly uh, uh, sorry for what they did and the Holy Spirit gives them clearance back into your life. Now, you got to know the difference between you giving someone clearance and the Holy Spirit giving someone clearance. Uh, no one, you should not welcome anyone in your life if you're still forgiving. You know what I'm saying? And what I mean by still forgiving, if 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 you if their presence will affect you in some kind of way. It's not wise to bring someone back in your life if you know that person is still too toxic in your life or the experience you had with them in your life is too fresh, too tender, and it could lead you back into a soul tie or it can lead you back into emotional uh, whirlwinds or being up and down, then it's best not to let them in your life. Um, um, but when it comes to people that you just can't avoid, um, they can be around your life, but they don't have to be a part of your life. And you base that upon the time you spend with them, the energy you give them and the Holy Spirit based upon your time with him will help you on when you do have them face to face. You'll know how to engage them. And it all boils down to the spirit of God. I'm telling you, when you talk with him and engage with him, when you in that person's presence, you'll be able to know what you should or should not do. But if you have feelings or if you still hurt by it, it's not wise because the person who hurt you cannot, the hands of the person that hurt you cannot be the hands used to heal you. Hope that helps. So how many times should someone be forgiven? 70 times seven a day. That's 490 times a day. Um, and you, you got to keep forgiving them. And the best way to forgive them is to compare uh, your actions towards a holy God uh, vertically instead of horizontally. That'll keep you humble and it'll give you the right perspective on seeing that, man, it was good that I was afflicted. It was good that what they did happened because I would not be the person I am today. Hope that helps, Aries. Marino says, did my first preaching to the, I, oh, I did my first preaching to the youth yesterday. I'm going to be a youth pastor. Thank you, Jesus, for using you as a vessel, my brother. Shalom. God bless you, man. It's an honor that God uses uh, me to in inspire and help others. Um, uh, <clears throat> Know that the journey ahead of you is, is going to be a, a, a journey of, 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 of promise, but also pruning. And so be ready um, um, and, and stay close to God <clears throat> because the youth's going to need you to be strong, to be consistent, to be faithful to God um, um, and all that good stuff. So Maya says, how do you, oh, it's an honor too, Marino. It's an honor. I'm glad God using what I do to inspire you. Keep holding up that banner. Keep, listen, if he be lifted up, he'll draw men. You do not have to compromise to win the youth. 
Hear me closely. You don't have to compromise to win the youth. You don't need smoke machines. You don't need, I did all that. You don't need smoke machines. You don't need um, lights and camera and action. You don't need all this. All you need is the word of God. All you need is the word of God. The word works. You don't need, you don't have to use all these marketing uh, tools and techniques to win people because whatever you use to get them is what you have to use to keep them. So if you use the word to get them, the word would keep them in of itself. Hope to help. Maya says, how do you trust people to help you? I don't like expecting much from people because I either get let down or things don't get done with the same effort and pace I would do. Great question, Maya. <clears throat> Let me read it again. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> how do you trust people to help you? I don't like expecting much from people because I either get let down or things don't get done with the same effort and pace I would do it. Um, yes, I, I'm the same type of person. Um, what I've done was learned how to do a lot of things at the level that I can in excellence to the best of my ability. So I do my own graphics. I do my own video editing because I've learned that um, uh, when, when people offer volunteer work, they're they're not going to give the sub. They're not going to give the type of level of excellence that you desire. And so I use Fiverr. Uh, Fiverr is a good resource. F I V E R R, where you can um, freelance people services, and that's what I do too. Because I believe you get what you pay for, and when you pay people, they 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 are obligated to get things done. Um, but in regards to you, is um, trust God. And what I mean by trusting God, trust God that God will bring trustworthy people of excellence into your life to hold up your arms as you do the will of God for you. So don't be discouraged, uh, but just know that that when it comes to your craft, when it comes to your purpose, nobody is going to care as much as you do for it. So you have to kind of lower your expectations, not your excellence, not the level of excellence of your expectations, but your expectations of people, because not everybody is going to care at the level that you care. So what you have to do is, OK, if, if there's certain things that I do um, that that I, I haven't found people that is, that is at the level of excellence that I desire, learn it. I learned how to do my own graphics. I learned how to do my own editing. I just learned. I go on YouTube uh, how to blank, how to do whatever, and to the best of my ability until God brings people who matches the level of excellence that I desire. And God has brought people in my life where, um, you know, where I was like, you know what? You know, these people are legit, legit, but there are some people that they think they're legit in their mind. They think they dope in their mind and they're just not there. And it's okay not to do business with them. Um, but, um, let's keep going. I don't like expecting much from people because I either get let down That's part of life, but you got to keep it moving. People are going to let you down. People are going to get on your nerves. People are going to, um, um, do all those kind of things. But what I would do is keep moving forward. Um, keep, um, keep, uh, uh, doing your level of excellence to the best you can do. And, and believe that God will send the right people um, that will be able to do things for you. And by the same time, you can go to Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, -R, and there are people um, there are people on there that will be able to kind of at least you can look at their work and you can kind of see who you can outsource your work to. The Kayla says, what are your thoughts on Trump being impeached? Uh, when it comes to political stuff, I kind of leave that alone. Um, um, I just keep, I leave that alone. I just think it's too it's too divisive. Um, it's too no matter what opinion you give, uh, the will of God will be done. That's that's my opinions on for YouTube purposes in regards to Trump. Uh, God's will will be done, and uh, that's what I go from there. I just don't get uh, political on here. It's too divisive. Uh, but I hope I hope you hear my heart on that. And next, Charles says, I feel disconnected from God. I don't have the desire to read my Bible anymore. How do I go back to being on fire and spend time with God? Good question. I feel disconnected from God. 
Let's start there. Um, the Bible says in him that we live, move and have our being. That is because of God, we are who we are. Um, you can be in a proximity of God, uh, uh, but not be connected. Like if there is issues between my wife and I, we could be in the same house, but be disconnected. The enemy wants disconnection and disconnection boils down to perspective. Perspective and how you see the situation, how you see life would then open the door for disconnection. So what I mean by that is if you have a false idea of God, if you have false expectations on God and God doesn't come through based upon the way you feel that he should have come through or came through, then you're going to naturally disconnect connect. You're going to naturally distance yourself because you no longer see God trustworthy. God is always trustworthy, but God will always disappoint those who put false expectations on him. God will always disappoint those. What I mean by disappoint is not disappointment from his actions. <clears throat> it's disappointments all for us. We become disappointed because we had the wrong um, idea about God. And so when you feel disconnected, you got to go all the way down to find the root distraction. What is distracting me mentally? What is distracting me intellectually? What is distractingly distracting me in my proximity? And when you process all those different things, then the connection becomes a little, at least you'll be able to find where the cores are not tied. Because people always say, well, well, uh, uh, God is everywhere and you connected to God. There's nothing you could do about it. No, there's something you could do about it. If your mind is not connected, if, like what I always give the Verizon cell phone analogy, if my cell phone is not paid, I don't have connection. Does my lack of does my lack of connection remove the network? No, the network is still there, but because the payment hasn't been paid, I lost connection. So the analogy in regards to God is this: Christ has paid our bill forever for eternity. But the moment we start trying to pay it for ourselves, and we try to no longer accept Christ's payment and don't accept what He has done for us, we then become disconnected. That disconnection doesn't remove doesn't remove the presence of God is to remove our 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 mind being in awe of God or engulfed in God or connected in God. Let's go a little bit deeper in your question. It says, I don't have the desire to read my Bible. That's by that's by strategy. That ain't by coincidence. <clears throat> that is by strategy. The word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God is essential for your connection with God, because that's him, the word of God and the spirit of God are the tool, the two tools or resources on this earth that enables connection state to stay uh, thriving. Okay. Anymore. How do I get back to being on fire and spend time with God? It takes discipline. Desire is just the lighting of a candle, the lighting of a, uh, of a, of a fire or a, um, a log fire. It is the logs that keep the fire going. You can light a fire one time, but if you stop putting logs into that fire, that fire is going to wane over time. So what I mean by that is a lot of people have a burst of fire, but they never through discipline go out there and get more wood to add to that fire, more uh, reading of God's word to add to that fire, more prayer to add to that fire, a more a study add to that fire. And I think that we forget about the disciplines. You cannot just go off a desire. You have to couple that desire with durable disciplines. Disciplines that ensures that your mind stays sharp. Discipline ensures your emotions stay at ease. The disciplines that ensure that you continue to grow over time. It's crazy how there's some believers out there that, that don't believe in spiritual disciplines. They just believe that Christ did all the work and they're saved. And the believer, all they have to do is rest. That's kind of uh, counterproductive. That don't even make sense. Every the Bible says he called he says 
uh, if you continue in my word, you will be you will prove to be my disciples indeed. Discipleship is another word for discipline. A disciple is a follower of certain disciplines. You see what I'm saying? So in order to maintain that fire, you have to understand what is trying to come against that fire being ablaze. The enemy doesn't want you on fire because fire is contagious. Fire will burn everything around it. And when you on fire for God, other people will be drawn to that fire for warmth. And while they're there in your warmth place, the spirit of God will then come upon them and they will catch fire because they will begin to see the fruit in your life. You don't bear fruit without faithfulness. You see what I'm saying? You don't build faith without faithfulness. You don't build desire without discipline. You see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit can only do but so much if you don't, if you're not willing to do your part. You see what I'm saying? So what you have to do is, okay, why do why do I find it the hardest to pray? <clears throat> why do I not read my word like I should? It's all boils down to your lack of awe of God. Um Maybe you got to change the preach that you listen to. Maybe you got to change the friends that you're around. Maybe you just got to just go to God and say, God, show yourself to me in a way that that just sets me ablaze, that inspires me. Because they who those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled to fulfill. You see what I'm saying? So it all boils down to you examining your life and saying, where did I lose connection? Where did I lose dependency on God? Where did I lose trust in God? Did I have a false idea of him? Have I put false expectation on him? Where was the disappointment? Because disappointment leads to disconnection. That you have the desire for God, but the moment that God disappoints you, then, 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 disconnection happens. Well, God is not trustworthy. So let me go and do this and do that. So the word loses its, 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 its appeal. Prayer loses its appeal. Listen, the more you come close to God, it's going to be interesting how everything around you strangely goes dim. Like the, the more I get close to God, the more I get to know him, the more I, I am content with him. Ministry grows strangely dim. I'm talking about the, 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 the limelight of ministry. Uh, the, the Bentley's lost strangely became dim. Like I used to be a lover of cars. Everything becomes strangely dim when you're not a stranger to God. You see what I'm saying? And that happens after your self-examination your self-awareness and realizing where did I lose my connection mentally? What disappointed me? And let me go to openbible.info, find scriptures on that thing and study those words, study the word of God and see what I can do to build my faith. <clears throat> Great question. Let's keep going. I love open Bible too, Michelle. Divine 15, Divine 15 says, I keep seeing the numbers 1111. Do you think it's meaning behind them? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I see numbers too. I definitely see 1234 a lot. I see 1111 a lot. Um, who knows? I, I'm not well versed in that to know, but I know numbers have power. But in regards to that concept or that idea, I'm not 100% sure to give advice on that. Um, I would just ask the Holy Spirit, is there any meaning to that? And, and and just and just put it on the shelf. Don't spook yourself out. Don't don't look around you and be like, oh, this happened at eleven eleven on Tuesday. Maybe this has some symbolic meaning. Um, I do believe numbers have power. I do believe that things do happen around us that are in number form. But seeing eleven eleven, I'm not sure about that. I know eleven is a big number in in a lot of these uh, um, uh, cults and a lot of these different things. I know three nine eleven. Um, a lot of these numbers have power. And, and some occultish practices, but in regards to seeing numbers, I'm not sure. Finally, Free says, I have a question. My teenage son lives with his dad, who is a uh, who is a covert narcissist. I live out of state in parental 
alienation and it is in full force. I have no money to fight him and my son wants to live. Um, how old is your son is the question. Uh, but it also boils down to what happened in the court system. <clears throat> so if he has, um, I don't know, I don't know your situation. I don't know the nuances of, of the agreement that you have with the, with the, um, baby's father, of uh, your son's father. Um, but the advice that I can give right now is, is, um, outside of what I don't know about the courts and what I don't know about y'all's agreement is, is no, no distance is too far for prayer. No distance is too far for prayer. I will pray for your son's salvation. I will pray um, um, uh, for wisdom. Just pray for wisdom. That's the best advice I can give you. And I know I know you're probably looking for five or seven points, but the best point I can give you is to ask God for wisdom because the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, he'll give it to them freely. Ask God for wisdom on how to handle it. Ask God for wisdom about those spiritual warfare tactics that you may need to use against the demonic spirit that may be involved in all these different things, right? And But in the meantime, as God is giving you wisdom, you got to ask God to wash away any type of resentment in your heart so that you can have the right type of heart to pray the right things, so that you can have the right perspective to pray the right things. That's what, so two things. Number one, um, pray for God for wisdom on how you um, handle your son's situation. And at the same time, couple with that, praying, ask God to wash away all resentment about the situation, all self-hate, all unforgiveness, anything that may be contributing to a hardness of heart to a situation. <clears throat> Those two things working together will come to a situation where you'll begin to understand things, how they're going. And then you'll also begin to see what you need to do in life. Hope to help. Uh, Ari says Superbook is a great visual for kids and parents to learn. I haven't heard of Super. I have heard of Superbook, but I haven't seen it. I haven't read it. But if it's a great, if it's a great resource, a great resource. Maya says again. Oh man, it's it skipped again. Give me one second. Oh, thank you for giving. I prayed for a promotion, got it, and now I'm miserable. Now I'm thinking, was this really God sent? Uh yeah. Pressure comes with every point of promotion. I didn't mean to skip everybody's question. I just I thought it was a <clears throat> a comment. Um, uh, every promotion comes with pressure. And I think many people want promotion, but they don't realize that every elevation comes with another uh, set of, of of trials, a certain certain level of issues. You see what I'm saying? So, but that's part of life. Um, uh, miserable is a real word. Is it miserable because deep down you really like it, but you were just unexpected, or you was uh, you didn't expect these types of uh, uh, things to come with it? Uh, but but that's the that's what comes with promotion. Pressure comes with promotion and preparation must precede the promotion. And um, and right now, just process with God, just process with God and say, God, hey, was this my promotion or your promotion? Because if it's your promotion, then honest, humbly go before God in, in an honest disposition and say, God, if I made a mistake, help me with this mistake. If I chose the wrong job, God, help me to, to either get out of it, uh, bring a substitute job in, bring the put me back on the right path or. But if it is God to get a promotion, God will supply you with the grace to get through it. He'll he'll then give you the realization, the perspective, the reasonings why you have that position, and he'll give you the strength to endure it. Hope that helps. You know it's God sent if you have a unique grace to get through it. You know it's God sent when even though it's miserable, you still feel it is manageable. Even though it's miserable, you still feel like there's a purpose here. If it's not God sent, I won't leave the job until God uh, bring a replacement. Hope they help. 
Great question, Joe. Uh, let's see. Maya says, how do you find the vehicle to use in order to add value into people's lives? If you're gifted in a lot of areas, how do you find which gift to master? Great question. How do you find the vehicle to use in order to add value into people's lives? If you're gifted in a lot of areas, how do you find which gift to master? Um, let me explain my life. That'll kind of give you some insight. Um, uh, um, I found the root of, of what makes me unique. And it's two words, uh, wisdom and words. God has blessed me with a unique gift of wisdom. And he's given me a, a unique way to deliver that wisdom in words, which means I'm a wordsmith, which means I do quotes, I do books, I do worksheets, I do courses, anything with words and teaching formats. That's my umbrella. Now, um, there are periods in life where God would give you the grace to focus on one for mastery. And what I mean by mastery, um, the presentation of that mastery. So what my goal is, I, I, my goal is to master writing, to master speech and to master, um, that's pretty much speech and, um, and writing. Cause I know if, if I, if, if I go, if you, if you take your gift all the way down to the ground, and you begin to find what makes that gift unique or what is the overall theme for that gift and mine's is words, then I could take words anywhere. Then I begin to master delivery. You see what I'm saying? Not only do I deliver through books, not only do I deliver through quotes, not only do I deliver in other areas, but I also utilize it to deliver in videos and podcasting, right? Um, but it boils down with different strategies. Now let's get down to mastery. There are certain strategies or techniques that you can implement to master a thing. Like for me, I take random words and I try to make a message out of it. Sometimes I flip through my Bible and I point to a scripture and I, and I find out if I can make a sermon out of that scripture. So there was different things that I did that really over time made me real masterful at it to such a degree that I'm able to take it through any medium. I'm able to take it through video. I'm able to take it through books and I can take that wisdom to the point to where it's almost in parable form, where I'm able to uh, create it in such a way where utilizing nature, utilizing things around people, like from the Good Guys podcast, uh, creating the Trinity concept out of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> That's years of preparation. You see what I'm saying? But the vehicle all boils down um, to strategy and strategizing with the Holy Spirit. So what I do is <clears throat> YouTube live is the main thing that I use to display my gifting. You know why? Because YouTube live gives me opportunity to give y'all value. What I mean by that is the YouTube live Q and A's. So kind of follow me on why I do this. The YouTube live Q and A gives me the opportunity to do two things. It gives me an opportunity to add value. Three things. Give me an opportunity to add value. It also gives me an opportunity to, to master my question answering gift uh, ability. And it also gives me an opportunity to dissect the information and present it in different areas. So one moment here is going to give me the opportunity to give value <clears throat> where you can ask whatever question. I'm able to sharpen my craft and see if I can answer a question on a, on a, on a, on a dime. It also gives me an opportunity to give y'all value. And also gives an opportunity to say, okay, I could take this one video and I can strip the MP3, put it on SoundCloud, which puts it on all um, podcast platforms. And then I can also um, utilize some of these videos for book concepts. And so there's a lot of different things. The vehicle all boils down to the one vehicle that can take you many places. So if that's video, if video is a thing that you can use, if it's writing, 
if if writing it is, start thinking about how you can turn Instagram into a blog site. Let's find out ways that you can get your words out there because you're an author. If you feel like video is your thing, get in front of a camera and master it in the in the midst of pressure. That's how you get good. Anybody can create videos, whatever, but not everybody can just cop on live and get a bunch of questions, answer the questions on a dime, utilizing experience, the exegesis of text to, to bring edification and equipping to individuals. That happens over time. So how do you find the vehicle to use in order to add value into people's lives? Find the, find the people, find out what the people love to do, and find the vehicle within that arena. So if people that you serve loves videos, then you got to get in front of the camera. If people around you that you're here to serve are more personable, then maybe God may lead you to be a life coach where you do a bunch of one-on-ones, group seminars, workshops. See what I'm saying? It all boils down to your audience. And the good thing about social media, you're able to get to your audience right away. And, 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 and the intuition of the Holy Spirit, the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit would then show you uniquely and creatively how you can engage your people. But the thing is, don't just engage, equip them. That's when I started doing worksheets. That's when I started giving, because I don't want to create content that makes people dependent on me. I want to create content that keeps people dependent on God. So they can actually take these worksheets home, take this, why I say get sheets of paper and pen, because I just don't want to encourage you or edify you. I want to equip you. So you got to look at where are the people I'm supposed to reach? What are the things they are most more into? What apps, what devices, what people group, what age group, go to Google, start researching, and then begin to realize how can I add value to them when they go, when they're away from me. So once I close this computer, I want to continue to add value. That's what you got to process in regards to how you add value to people. So how do you find the vehicle to use in order to add value into people's lives? If you're gifted in a lot of areas, master all the areas, but find the main tool that allows you to at least divvy it out in multiple areas, um, but master everything because it's not going to be 50 things. It's going to probably be two or three things. Master them because you never know when is your season to use that. So right now I'm getting deeper into the mastery of book development. I didn't realize that book development had a lot of different things. So I'm learning to master that while I'm working on the, uh, of, of revealing my mastery through, through this, but mastery comes from a master. The Holy spirit will be able to teach you how to master your craft because in the mastering your craft, you'll be before great people. How do you find which gift to master? The Holy Spirit will let you know which one to start with. He'll probably be like, you know what? Start with this one, whether it's speech, whether it's writing and whatever one he tells you to start with, go hard in that. I don't want to give the advice of doing all three things, trying to master at a high level. The Holy Spirit will give you that one thing and you master it. And then as you master that foundational gift, it will open the doors for you to master the gifts that are kind of like the branches off the tree. So words are the main things I mass. So I'm always finding new words and dissecting them. And then in me practicing that almost daily, it floods into here. So now I can give analogies on a dime. I can use a doorknob. I can use a chair. I can use macaroni and cheese to bring a point because I've practiced those different things. Great question. Lizzie Lewis says, how to heal from feelings of rejection? 
My whole life from family, parents, siblings, crushes, high school friends, bullied, not fitting in with people at church, backstabbers at my job, etc. Um, Lizzie, the best advice I can give you is to understand that people are flawed. People have issues. Uh, people are not um, uh, 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 individuals you put your trust in, right? So rejection comes in life, but protection comes from God. Oftentimes, the, real, the biggest rejections are your protection. But it's based upon our perspective that determines whether it's uh, uh, more than what it needs to be or or something that you shouldn't even pay attention to. Let me break it down for you. Um, now, how do you deal with rejection deeply? Number one, you have to realize that people are flawed. That's the number one thing. Realize that people are going to make mistakes. Number two, you have to adjust your, expect, your expectations. You have to adjust them. You cannot think of people more highly than you ought to think about them. You you can't you you gotta change your expectations of people because you're gonna continue to get hurt. If your expectations are where they need to be about people, when people hurt you, it won't hurt you bad. When people reject you, it won't hurt you because ah, uh, that's people. People gonna make mistakes. And it also helps you not to reject people who are there to help you. Because then you'll be like, well, I'm being hurt by everybody else. I don't want to let nobody in. No, we're people that need accountability. We're people that need people. So you have to have the right perspective. And it all boils down to embracing the one that never rejected you by embracing the one that that is that, that is sovereign over your life. The one that allowed those different things to happen to get you into a place of isolation for you to grow in the things of God and build your stability and contentment in him. So that when you come into the presence of other people, you won't put too much uh, um, pressure on them or expectation on them because this is what happens. Either you put false expectations on people and then they do things um, that you didn't think they would do and hurt you or based upon your false expectation, you put unnecessary pressure on them and they leave because you put too much expectation on them and, they, and it wasn't healthy for them. But when you allow um, the isolation and the drawing of God um, to bring you into a place where you grow in him and you and you become content with him over time and you begin to realize that he will never leave you or forsake you, it it will help you with other people because when you know that you have been accepted by God, you won't die by other people's rejection or you will never or you won't be pursuing people's acceptance. Right now, I don't need to be accepted by anybody. I don't need anybody to love me. I don't know what I mean by that. I don't I don't desperately need anybody's attention because I got the attention of the most high. Everybody up under him can kick rocks for let God be true and every man a liar. So it doesn't matter who forsakes me. I know who's there with me. And when you get that mindset, you will be disappointed, but you won't be depressed. You will be sad, but you won't be sour patched. You see what I'm saying? So everything boils down to your mindset. So get a sheet of paper and write down all the people who rejected you. In the next column, I want you to write down in what ways could this rejection been my protection? And what ways did God utilize his rejection to protect me? And number three, I want you to write down reasons why you should forgive that person. Because when you write down who rejected you and what the rejection was, and then the next column you look at uh, how could this rejection be God's protection or what another column would be in what ways did I contribute to this rejection? Did I put false expectations on them? Did I, did I, did I expect them to do things they were incapable of doing? Or did I put too much pressure on them and I forced them to leave out my life? So you look at all variables. Number one, you look at the, uh, who rejected you. 
what the actual rejection was, write down how could God have used this rejection for my protection? Number three, what could I have done to contribute to this rejection or what adjustments do I need to make going forward with people so I don't find myself in a situation again? I'm telling you, when you begin to process your thoughts, process your experiences and what you did in life, you will begin to see the Holy Spirit revealed to you or give you the right perspective on how to navigate and how to handle, how to heal from past rejection and how to handle future rejection. Those two things must happen in your life. You must heal from past rejection and you must be developing to a person that that knows how to handle rejections when they come. People are flawed. We're all flawed, including yourself. Process it all and you'll find the truth. Hey, Jaquitin, what's going on, fam? Uh, Christina says, how can you become free of lustful thoughts and lust of the eye? Also, how do you know a vision is from God? Good question. Um, uh, The Bible says if the eye be dark, the whole body will be dark. The Bible didn't say if the eyes are dark, dark, it says the eye. The eye is your perspective. It's your mindset. If your perspective is dark, if your mindset is dark, then your whole body is dark. So what I mean by that is in order to um, become a person of clarity, to be a person free from lust, you got to renew your mind. You really got to write down everything about lust, write L-U-S-T at the top. And the definition of lust is an overbearing desire for something. Lust don't always have to be sexual. Lust can be an overbearing desire for money, the overbearing desire for love, the overbearing desire for marriage, the overbearing desire for or for food, overbearing desire uh, for acceptance. That's lust. That's, it's, it's, it's desire exceeded its safe limits. Lust is the perverted version of lust. It's the love. It's the elevated version of love. What I mean by that is the danger zone where love, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is content. Love is a person. But lust is the drawing away from that. And so you have to write down, um, um, what am I lusting for? Because there are external lusts that boils down to a centered lust. If a person is lusting after success, then a lust of women or a lust of men, other things will kind of spawn off of that core cord of lust, right? So what you got to do is process. Holy Spirit revealed to me the root reason of why I'm lustful. Why is my mind so drawn to women, so drawn to pornography, so drawn to sex, so drawn to money, so drawn to success? Why am I so drawn? And then you will begin to realize where you, the place where you begin to drift, you begin to get distracted and drifted and then falling into a state of lust minded, right? So how do you become free from lustful thoughts? It's taking every thought captive to the to the authority of Christ and to the standard of Christ and realize, I think the issue with a lot of us people is we don't really see sin for what it really is. We got to see sin for what's within it. We got to see sin as ugly as a cancer that's designed to destroy us. When you see sin for what it really is and you look at pornography and say how it warps the man and woman's mind to create false expectations on sex that no human being that's not a professional uh, a sex giver cannot meet. So that when you have indoctrinated yourself or engulf yourself with lustful practices and, and that now you have now your wife has to compete with your hand. Now your husband has to compete with your vibrator. And all those different things begin to be false expect not false expectations, but unrealistic um, executions by by a person. And when you begin to see the patterns of a thing, you will begin to see, man, this is going to hurt me down the line. 
It's going to cause me not to be able to get up for my wife, to not get up for, for y'all who are married, for your husband one day. It's going to call. It's going to warp your worldview because your wife is not going. It's not a professional. Your wife may not be built that way. Your husband may not be built that way. And no man can compete with a vibrator. No woman can compete with on-demand pleasure. You see what I'm saying? So life, this life in this world system is created for on-demand pleasure. And so what happens is we want things so immediate. We want things so on demand that we that whatever our hands can grab, we'll get it because the mind has been drifted from God's original way of seeing things, the original pace and patterns of a thing. So all you got to do is write down those lustful thoughts <clears throat> and write down what this lust is designed to kill. And if you're married, you're going to be like, man, I, I see this sin as, as it's going to kill my marriage. It's going to kill my uh, my connection and my engagement with women and people or whatever you're lusting for. It's going to lead me to mismanaging money. When you see sin for what it really is and you allow the Holy Spirit to put it in such a way where you realize that this is disgusting. You got to be disgusted. And disgust comes when you deliberate. And you deliberate with God and you begin to process, you be like, man, this sin is dangerous. This thing is designed to destroy my destiny. And when you feel that deeply, then you will be through the Holy Spirit inspired and and and, and lured to, to, to change the way you think about women, to change the way you think about men, to change the way you think about money. And you'll begin to understand the original pace of the pursuit of it where your mind won't rush you to pursue it so fast that you got to have it versus it'll come when it comes. I'm not going to allow pornography. I'm not going to allow uh, the fast life. I'm not going to allow Instagram to, to cause me to lust for what they have because no matter what you lust for, when you get to that level, that new level got new devils, that new level got new pressures. And, and, and what you've been begging for, asking for, and what you've been practicing now is going to destroy it. How do you know a vision is from God? Confirmation. What I will do is get a book, write down the vision, make it plain and make it clear, put it in the book and let God confirm the meaning behind it. Um, but it's hard to have it's hard to have true vision when lust is cluttering your eyesight. Hope that helped, Christina. Um, God wants us to be pure. It's difficult. I understand we live in such a saturated, lustful world, but that's life. Um, but you got to put limits on your life. You don't have to go certain places that triggers you. If your job triggered, God will always grace you for the places he wants you to be. See what I'm saying? But if you start going places where, where the will of God is not, you, you're going to be grounded out by, by those pressures. So God's grace will keep you at, at every place that you're supposed to be. But when you start wandering into people's houses, start wandering into places that you shouldn't, then that support begins to wane because you intentionally go into a place you know God is not glorified. Or even if God's not glorified, his grace will help you bring glory to that place, if that makes sense. Hotels. Finally, free says any advice. He is committing adultery in front of the kids. He is telling them to forget. Uh, okay, and that I abandoned them. Um, that's a spirit, and and the good thing about it, you have authority over that spirit through Christ. Now, I don't want to be so cliche that you go out there doing something that may uh, uh, hurt you in the end. Um, but uh, uh, what I would do to to attach it to the question you said before. Ask God for wisdom and ask God to wash your heart clean. And, and in the presence of those children, 
you be who God wants you to be. So they kids can recognize. Kids will know who lying by their works. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God to wash your heart and help the Holy Spirit give you new work, a new work. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, right? To do a thing, right? So change your work. Change the way you act around. Don't be emotional around them. When you find yourself around the kids and the kids tell you what their dad said, prepare yourself beforehand. Just prepare, just pray in the spirit. Pray to God, God, prepare my heart because I don't know what these kids going to tell me about what their dad said. But because I want to exhibit it to them that the way I move in this life is different than what he's telling them. Hope to help. Got time for two more and I'm done. Nick Antoine says, How do I stop jealousy? Also, how do I maintain important habits like prayer and reading the word without wavering because I start but never finish each year's habits? Great question. Jealousy is the fruit of discontentment. Contentment is the core trait that we should, as believers, have in our character. Um, because contentment will be our compass. Contentment will be our comfort. Um, contentment boils down, is birthed from companionship, and companionship is birthed out of clarity. The clarity of who Christ is. Knowing that Christ is who he is. That he is sovereign and he is Lord, that 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 in his providential timing, he will elevate me. He will promote me. He will give me what he sees fit. A scripture that says, uh, I forgot who said it, but it said, um, Father, don't give me uh, don't make me poor that I steal and don't make me rich where I leave you. God knows exactly what to give you to keep you from doing what you shouldn't. So jealousy would then lead you to do things that maybe God didn't have within your plans in, in the earth. We have to understand that this life is temporary. There is nothing down here that we should be jealous of. There's nothing down here because we are supposed to be alert. We're supposed to be on assignment. We're supposed to be on our on our post. We're supposed to be serving God. And, and that's what happens. I don't, I don't, I'm not envious or jealous of nobody because I'm on assignment. I'm I'm called. This is not my home. This is a temporary place. The town home, the car, my wife, my children one day. Uh um all these resources are tools and resources for me to do my purpose and me to help who's connected me fulfill theirs. But it's not designed for me to get a bigger house here because uh, the Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of those things can touch. A wise person builds where they're going to be forever. But people build temporary places by through jealousy. Well, I don't like what he has. So whatever I got to do to get what he has, I'll do it. I don't like what she has. I'll do it. I'll do whatever I can to try to one up her. Man, jealousy is just is dangerous, man, because because you don't even know how they got it. You don't know how what they had to do to their soul. You don't know what they do. You don't even know. You don't even know what they had to do with their bodies to get what they got. So, so I'm not jealous of no man because not every because I promise you, if you realize what work it took to get there, many of us would be like, I ain't doing it. Because God will only grace you for the work that He has for you to do. Every other work will burn you out. Or even if you get even when you're doing the right thing, if you do it beyond his limits, you still burn out. But don't worry about what other people are doing because you don't know how they got it. And, and Instagram is a lie that these people nobody posts their bricks, they always post their highlights. And, and it's deceptive. So how do you stop being jealousy? Jealous is realizing, hey, God, I trust you. And you have to look at your heart. Do I really trust the Lord? People want Christ to be their savior, but they don't want him to be their Lord. 
everybody wants to be saved, but nobody wants to be stewarded. Nobody wants to be uh, kept. Nobody wants Jesus to be Lord and to be sovereign. Everybody wants him to be savior, but nobody wants him to be sovereign. And, and when you embrace his sovereignty, there's a settledness that you have in him and, and trust that he will do whatever he has in the books for me to have and for me to do. Anything beyond it, I don't want it. So you got to ask yourself, why do I not have the heart that is willing to be okay with what I have? I will look up, go to openbible.info, type in contentment or scripts on contentment and digest that and realize all this stuff is vain and it's fleeting. It's vain and it's fleeting. And if you start getting into jealousy, that means you're distracted. When you are too consumed looking at the work of another man or the results of the work of another man, then you miss out on the work that the true man, Jesus Christ, wants you to do. So you stop being jealous by examining your heart, number one. Number two, meditating on the word of God in regards to contentment and trust in God and begin to really look at your heart and say, is God enough for me? And my advice for you is to have an honest conversation with God with your heart open, your heart naked before him and really deal with those nuances, deal with those insecurities, deal with why you want to be better than that person because that stuff is vain. I've done it. I've been in there before. I've dealt with jealousy and envy, but I realize, man, when you start real, when you've been behind the scenes a lot of times and realize what people had to do with their behinds and had to do with whatever they had to do to get whatever they had to do and the type of mind control they have to go. I don't got time. I'll stay over here. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be big because some places you don't go without the devil's blessings. You see what I'm saying? Or the devil's uh, demands. Also, how do I maintain important habits like prayer, reading the word without wavering because I start but never finish? Baby steps. Um, don't try to chew off something bigger than what you're able. Um, uh, what you do is um, decide on decide on obtainable but stretchable goals. Decide. After you decide, okay, I can read a proverb a day and maybe a chapter uh, of, of a gospel a day. Um, maybe I can go to YouTube and type in Matthew dramatize and just listen to the word while I clean up the house, listen to the word while I drive. And maybe that'll be the thing that kind of gets you into the word and dissecting it for yourself, getting a commentary and really digging deep into God's word. Um, um, be, uh, uh, decide, um, man, decide on the limits and then remove distractions. You got to be able to, you got to have a place in your home or in your car, wherever you feel, whatever, where you meet God every day without distractions, where you can say, you know what, I'm going to put the phone in my car and go upstairs and I'm going to get in my word, or I'm going to leave my phone in the house. I'm going to go in the car, go to a place where your phone is not, go to a place where your computer is not, go to a place where no one or no thing can distract you and then give God your undivided attention. But you have to understand that that the word of God and that the, that the ghost of God, uh, the spirit of God was designed to help you for a purpose. When you get purpose minded, you will begin to see the value of the biblical spiritual resources that were given to us um, to shape in us and sharpen us for the assignment that he has. That's what inspires me to read my word is because it is fuel for is food for my spirit it is strength for my soul it's it's keeping my mind on task keep my mind on the one that saved me it it, it keeps me focused on my earthly assignment um but 
it has to be bite sized. You have to decide. You have to you have to grow your way to a level of of a place of digesting God's word and prayer. And God is not asking for quantities, asking for quality. So start where you can be consistent. That's the key thing. Start where you can be consistent. There's no need for you to put 300 pounds if you know you can't lift it. Do something that you can lift multiple times where it, it builds muscle. It's not it's not light, like it's easy, but it's enough to, 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 to get the wheels turning. Hope to help. Keaton says, What's actually taking place during the pruning season? I feel like everything has fallen off, but I have yet to see the fruits of the labor. Um, you're going through a fall season. Um, you don't see you don't see budding until spring. You don't see fruit till summer, but you cannot have neither without fall and winter. So right, so the expectation: no farmer expects fruit in winter. So if you're seeing things falling off, don't expect fruit. The fruit that you should be expecting. It's not even fruit, it's roots. When you're in this season, the goal should be focusing on your roots, not your fruit. Because uh, the tree that's planted by the rivers of water, its leaves will never fade. Now, how does a tree who is in famine by water and leaves never fade? It's because the roots have found the well. You see, the well is the word of God. The well is God. The well is his spirit. So your roots, the deeper the roots, the riper the fruits. Me, see what I'm saying? So when you're going through a pruning phase, know that God is lengthening your roots to be rooted in him so that as you begin to blossom with fruit or begin to grow high as a tree, you're so solid and your fruit is so sweet that people can't help but be around you to ask why or how you're able to be able to be green and to be prosperous in such turbulent times, how you're able to, to be a blessing and how you are still, you the lender, not the bar, that you bless going out, bless going in is because you're rooted in the well. You're rooted in, in the river of God as underground. And that's essential for success. But if you if you have expectations and pruning that's outside of just the basic roots, you're going to be discouraged, you're going to be disappointed. So during this pruning phase, only thing you need to expect is to get closer to God. The only expectation you have is knowing that my roots are going deep and that um, that my roots are going deep. And, 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 and when the season comes for me to have fruit, I will still be gracious, still be nice, still be humble and not be caught up on look at me because trees are not made for that. You see what I'm saying? So what's actually taking place during the pruning season? What's actually taking place is you are being stripped away from your idols. The number one thing God's attack, God attacks in the heart of a person are their idols. Idolatry. Idolatry and the true worship of God cannot mix in a human's heart for their spiritual assignment success. So the what's going on, God is pruning you, prying you away from your idols. Like I always say, the greatest pain a person will ever feel is the pain of them being ripped away from their idols. No pain is greater. The, the idol of ministry God had to rip me from. The idol of marriage God had to rip me from. The idol of success God had to rip me from. And now I'm in a place where all those things are strangely dim. Not marriage, but what I mean by everything is dim in comparison to the light of God. Even marriage, let's make it simple, make it plain. Even marriage in compared to the master is dim because of how glorious he is. You see what I'm saying? But that is the fruit of pruning. You're going to be upset. You, toxicity, the toxic, the toxic, 
toxins out of your soul is being purged. Anybody who's ever fasted knows that the first four or five days, the first two days of fasting is extremely tough. You got headaches, your breath stink, your skin changes color, your body starts aching because the body is getting rid of toxins. So right now you're experiencing toxins being gathered, toxins being extruded out of your system, and that's completely normal. But that third or fourth day of the fast, you feel like a new person. That second or that third or fourth month or third that, that it, towards the middle of that uh, pruning phase, you feel great because the idol has the idol and its toxic toxins have in, in, uh, um, been extruded out of your body. And now you see God in all of his glory. And then the awe comes and then you'd be like, I don't even want to eat sugar no more. I don't even want to go back there anymore. I, I'm done with caffeine. I'm done with sugar. I'm done with uh, processed foods, processed gospel presentations. I'm tired of sugar-coated messages. I'm tired of idolatry and all these drugs. You'll be tired, <clears throat> but you have to be pruned first. What actually takes place during the pruning season? I feel like everything has fallen off. That's important. All the leaves fall off the tree. You have to be okay with being naked with nothing but roots and branches showing. And if you are not willing to be embarrassed on behalf of God, you're not ready to handle the fruit of God. People want big fruit, but they don't want strong branches or roots. Everybody wants big old fruit, but big fruit breaks the branches. People want a marriage, but that marriage is a heavy fruit. It'll break you. Uh, people want money, but that money will break them. People want a wife, want a husband, but it'll break them. People want that job, but it breaks them because they didn't allow God to strengthen their branch. Or when the storm comes, they got all this, this, this beauty on the outside, but they have no roots. Storm comes, the trees twirling down the road. Roots then fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to go. <clears throat> I pray these videos was a blessing to you. Uh, I feel like I got two more in me. I just felt like I need to do two more. I'm sorry. Um, Okay, Holy Spirit, you want me to do two more? All right. Um, Finally, Free says he refuses. Okay. Well, email me. Email me. So okay, let me look at it. He refused to respond to any communication about my children. They are 19 and 14. I was financially, emotionally, verbally, spiritually, and physically abused. This man was in the church with me. Uh, and there's a lot of healing that has to take place. A lot of healing you got to take place and forgiveness and knowing that God is able to keep you and, and never let, um, when you get, begin to grow in God, you will begin to realize how, uh, less people affect you, how less people stress you. Let's keep going. Do you believe in, in, in the right person, but wrong time? Great question. The right person at the wrong time. No, I don't believe God was seeing the right person at the wrong time. God will always send the right person at the right time, even if it seems wrong. Uh, what I mean by that is God from his vantage point knows the right time to introduce a person. But the, let me describe the wrong time. The wrong time is when you're still hurting. The wrong time for, for, for a person. Don't expect a person. Let's talk about that. When to not expect a person in your life. When to expect the right thing not to happen. Number one, your heart is hurting. You haven't healed. Number two, you, you have a poor perspective on that thing. Number three, you idolize the thing that you, that you want. God is not going to send anyone or anything in your life if he knows that you idolize it, that your heart is still hurting from the previous idol. And number three, where you're, where you're just not in a place of contentment with him. God will not bring it. Um, so, 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 so know that that's the context you have to look at, that these are the times 
Uh, these are the things that is manifesting the person's life where God would not send the right thing because the right thing at the wrong time is a distraction. The right thing at the wrong time becomes idolized. The right thing at the wrong time would drift you away from God because it's so good. It's so glorious. It's so great. God, why would God send you a wife if you still got porn issues? Why would God send you a husband when you still got emotional issues? It, 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 God just won't do that because of how much of a distraction that would be to a person that's not ready to receive it. You see what I'm saying? So do I believe the right thing at the wrong time? No, nah, I believe the right thing at the right time. Um, but God will not send anything right when your heart, when your mind, when your hands, when your feet are practicing wrong. It's that simple because that thing will become a distractor. That thing will become a drifter and that thing will become a, dest a destruction in your life. And it will just only deepen what God is trying to, to heal out of your life. One more and I'm done. God revealed to me who my husband was. Oh, the same question. Okay. God revealed to me who my husband was, but also that it wasn't the time to unite, but to pray for his heart to be healed and free. We ended up dating and it failed. And now I don't know what to think. Uh, one of two things has happened. Either you, it was the right thing and you mismanaged it by, by allowing that person to date you uh, uh, and whatnot. Or this is just proof that maybe, because I've been there where I said, this is of God and it wasn't of God. I've said that many times in my life. Now I don't, I, now I rarely, if not ever say God told me because, because time will prove to me and to them that God told me. I rather, if whatever God tells you privately, let God reveal it publicly. Whatever God reveals to you privately, let God reveal to your public. That's wisdom because the more you keep saying God told me or God said and God this, and then you start acting on it. God would never have God. I'm going to say never, but but most of the thing God tells you is 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 in a place where you are mature enough to manage whatever He's telling you to. But also, God wants to verbally share with everyone what He told you. Let God do it. So the fact that you dated Him, all that kind of stuff, um, just what I would do now is put it on the shelf, get rid of it out of your mind, act like it never happened. Don't act like it never happened, but but get to a place where it never happened and then learn from it. Okay, did I miss God? Did, did it, was I in fact processing? Write that man down on the paper. Write down the day, not the day, but write down what was going on when you heard from God and then begin to think, where was my heart? Because God would not reveal a thing to you if you can deeply investigate and reveal that, yeah, I was idolized in marriage. I was discontent in my singleness. I wasn't really walking with God like I need to. It was probably indigestion, idolatry, or insecurities. Simple as that. Last one. Now I got to go. Do you believe this world is hell? Do you believe this world is hell? No, um, there is a hell, <clears throat> but I don't, I, this is a type of hell, uh, but it's not hell, hell. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just a crazy place down here, um, but hell is a real place. Um, and people be like, well, there's no hell. Well, you believe in a prison system. Where do we get the prison system from? People who break the law go to prison. People who break the law, God, and do not accept Jesus that their Lord and Savior go to hell. It's that simple. It's not, it's not no uh, deep thing. <clears throat> hell is a real place, <clears throat> but in heaven's a real place and hope is a real thing. And help is a real thing. Hope in Christ, the help of the Holy Ghost, and, and what will, will get you to heaven. And um, but hell's a real place. Um, you don't want to go there. And people are like, well, how do you know? Well, everyone dead knows. Um, so and I just look at life. If there's prisons, then there's a hell. Um, people breaking natural laws go to a natural prison. People who break spiritual laws without the shed blood lamb of Jesus and his righteousness imputed on them to the to the appeasement of the Father, going to hell. 
But the good thing is your choice. Love you guys. Gotta go. I pray this video was a blessing to you. Um, uh, also, how do you go on a diet and have a biblical mindset so you can maintain it? Um, you just gotta look at what you're allergic to. Look at what your your digestive system is able to process. Uh, um, look at the ingredients. Look at the chemicals. Look at all these different things. Research all the kills. Research aspartame. Research fluoride. Research all these different types of oils. Um, another the guy I look at a lot is Doctor Axe, Doctor A X E, and I look at his website to really kind of process um, some of the things that I that I should or should not be eating. But um, that's it. Love you guys. I gotta go. Coach Tide. Y'all be blessed. I pray this video was a blessing. Um, books, of course. Purpose of Singleness. Book I wrote on singleness. Um, World War Mises book on spiritual warfare. Um, the Purpose of Freedom is a book on soul ties and strongholds. Dating Prep, which has a card game to go with it. And The Purpose of Freedom has a card game to go with it. All on my website. Uh, and my first book unplugged just for nostalgia purposes. The first book I ever wrote, I wrote this book 12 years ago. Um, so I pray those resources to be a blessing. Six books. I got a book for kids called As He Says, As is for the students I serve. For those who know I work in elementary school. And so I'm writing um, resources and tools for kids to help them overcome uh, social emotional stuff and build their self-esteem. Um, so that book's on my website as well. Uh, two courses. Um, I think that's it. If you want to help us with our mentoring program, you want to help whatever I do over here, you can give there as well. But I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.